This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Welcome into another edition of Inside Carolina's Own the Beat Live. Sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. Boys, we're back. It's October. It's October 3rd. I cannot believe that time is flying. You know, we laugh and joke, Adam, about overlap season. Jeremiah doesn't know what's coming yet. Uh, Overlap season starts Friday, I guess, technically, with North Carolina Basketball Media Day. We're going to talk some football now, but let everybody know how tough overlap season is. How long do we have, T.A.? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're really I warming me up good. I, you, I mean, you're making me feel exhausted right now. <laughs> that's that's why I'm sitting in my new chair so I can lean back. Oh, yeah, I good. noticed we're leaning back a little bit there. <laughs> you know, it was a, sort of a different posture on you there. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, congrats on the new chair. That's awesome. For whatever reason, I look very red. I'm not – I don't don't know. The light in here. What's, What's going on with the... Mevin? Is there an alien invasion there that we don't know about? Yeah, I look like a crab or something. Huh? <laughs> Crawl some sea urchin that just crawled out. Uh, Jeremiah, Jeremiah is a very uh, intelligent young man, and I think he's—I mean—he is experienced already. He knows, he knows the the danger that looks. What what we say the the like crows are circling, but yeah, it's going to get ramped up here. With you know, you're going to basketball availabilities, you're going to basketball exhibition games, you're going to basketball games. The day after Carolina plays a game, I remember last year what they played Georgia Tech and that debacle in football, and then I think they turned right around and played JMU the next day in basketball. Um, so yeah, we got to This is what they pay us the big bucks for, though, right? My favorite thing is, and Jeremiah, I want to get you in here on it. My favorite thing is we were in the Bahamas covering the basketball team in 2019, and literally was on a plane trying to get back to the states. When North Carolina State and North Carolina were playing, when uh, Carter and Williams went nuts, and people were yelling at me, wondering why we weren't covering the football game. I was like, I'm literally on a plane. <laughs> Don't tell me what happened yet, because I'm not watching it. Anyway, a, a freshman named Sam Howell shushed the Carter Stadium crowd that night. And to be honest with you, there wasn't many Carter, there wasn't many fans left by that point. I think they won like 41-10. So I think that's right. I remember him scoring. I remember asking him about it after the game. I'm like, you gave a little shush, but you know there weren't many left at that point. It was a, it was a late TD. Jeremiah, are you ready to roll? Are you ready for this? How was Absolutely. it last year for you? Absolutely. Yeah, last year it was interesting, man. It was, uh, you know, around this time because actually football had their bye was actually a little bit later than what uh what UNC's was. So football's bye was like a little bit closer to. Uh, the women's basketball season. So, um, yeah, it looked a little bit different last year, I guess, just with my different responsibilities, but definitely got a taste of, we were calling it crossover season. So here, here, I guess we call it overlap season. So we've been calling it, uh, you know, but I'm used to calling it crossover, but you know, same deal, same craziness, have the live action to cover next week. Uh, You know, got some basketball coming up this week too. So, I'm ready to go. I mean, this is what, uh, you know, this is when me and Adam start to earn our money, man. You know, well, everybody that I see, everybody that I see, I'll, I'll be fair. Uh, but, you know, like, let's uh, let's do it. It's funny you mentioned that state, man. I guess we have the same situation pretty much, right, with um, Bahamas and then having to go back and, uh, you know, figure out what's going on down at, uh, you know, at that state game, man. So, but yeah, I'm ready to go, man. It's, uh, it's, on, it's on from here. I, I think 
this year it's on Saturday. That year it was on that Friday. It's actually the only time I've ever bet on a college sporting event, really any sporting event, is we're down in the Bahamas in the sports book, and I think Carolina was given nine or ten points. And um, a former Inside Carolina beat writer talked me into putting some – well, he didn't talk me into it, but he suggested I get in on some action. And um, I got a check from the Bahamas several weeks later, so that was an interesting uh, time. Maybe you should do that again this year. North Carolina starts a three-game homestand here on Saturday. Adam, I entitled this podcast Critical Homestand. I think it is. I mean, I think we talked about the first four. We've talked about the schedule. We've heard what Mac has said. But going into this homestand 4-0 and with the potential to be out of this homestand 7-0, and this is where the rubber meets the road for Mac 2.0 right here in this stretch, starting with Syracuse. Well, I think it's interesting, T.A., that you that the way you chopped it up there in terms of saying you could be 7-0 and coming out. I mean, in some ways – well, not in some ways. It's also five of the next six at home. So you could be – I mean, I'm not trying to get too far ahead of ourselves here, but you add on uh, Campbell. Uh, you know, there's a – at Georgia Tech, then Campbell uh, and Duke. You know, like that's, that's the home stretch. Those are your home games this season. Like, you know, you'll – by the first weekend in November, that's it for uh, for the home games for the Tar Heels. So, yeah, I mean, I think w- what we joke around that they're all big games. But, yeah, I mean, obviously I think if, if UNC can beat Syracuse, which, I, I mean, I think Syracuse is a, a pretty decent team here. Um, you know, I think you're going to have a pretty huge matchup against Miami next week in, in Chapel Hill. You know, Miami, I, th- I believe, plays Georgia Tech this weekend. Uh, so you could have two five and I'm not trying to get ahead of ourselves here. You have two five and O teams, UNC and Miami, you know, in Keenan on a Saturday afternoon in October. I mean, the vibes could be quite magnificent, I think, but yeah, absolutely. You, you, you have three straight home games, so you could come out seven and O and then, like I said, five of the next six. So this is, this is the home stretch for the home games here. Yes. I'm not a fan of how the, I don't like three straight games at home, but it is what it is. And to your point, you got Duke and Georgia Tech, or excuse me, Duke and Campbell after Georgia Tech. Jeremiah, uh, Buck Sanders in his column this week wrote, um, basically, is this a trap game for North Carolina? You guys had the players earlier today. We talked to Mac, uh, Gene Chizik, and Chip Lindsey on Monday. It sounds to me like going into the bye and then coming out of the bye this week has been pretty focused football team, which might be a little different than we've seen the last couple. Yeah, man. Well, first of all, shout out to, to Buck with his columns, man. You know, that's obviously, uh, you know, we, we love that. That's a staple, man. Honestly, um, to me, and this is just my personal opinion, I don't know that Syracuse fits the criteria for a trap game because they have, I mean, they're four and one, you know, they're, you know, they've kind of shown some of the things they can do. And I guess we'll talk about, you know, how Syracuse kind of fares against UNC a little bit later. Um, but, you know, I think they're, you know, a, a solid team. I think everybody would pretty much agree they're they're solid. I think, you know, mostly what happened against Clemson was, you know, a lot of the points they gave up were because of turnovers. So, you know, that's – it wasn't as much of Clemson just driving on them. I mean, they had three turnovers that led to three touchdowns. Also, I think – you know, looking at the or when we you know were at the press conferences, they were really talking. UNC was talking about how they kind of had a extended look on Clemson a little bit. I mean, on a, on Syracuse, they sat down and you know really watched the game and were taking notes and things like that, rather than you know your typical film study. Obviously, both you're studying, but you know to really sit down and kind of like look at the game, and then you also kind of take care of some of those guys that have been banged up a little bit. They have a little bit of a of a breather, or I guess a little bit of a week to kind of get healthy a little bit. So we'll see some of those main guys. I know Mac was talking about Willie Lampkin and Gavin Blackwell on Monday. You know, they're kind of, he thinks they'll be good to go, but we'll see, you know, what their availability is like. So you, so UNC has a chance to get a little bit healthy and they had a chance to really just sit down and look at Syracuse. So um, I don't necessarily think that it's a, a trap game. I think it's a game UNC needs to go ahead and get, though. I think you need to go ahead and put yourself in that 5-0 and position. Louisville's already 5-0. and 
Florida State is 4-0. They didn't play last week. Miami's 4-0. They didn't play last week. Uh, so I think you need to go ahead and get as many of those league games down as you can, um, you know, at this present moment. And I think UNC understands that. And I think the fact that they have three ga- three consecutive home games, they're going to want to, you know, go ahead and take advantage of that uh, on Saturday. And I don't think this can be classified as a trap game because Syracuse is very good. I know I'm turning into the boy who cried wolf a little bit because I picked <laughs> South Carolina and I picked Minnesota, but this is yet another game against a very good opponent. Syracuse is an advanced stats darling. If you follow any of the advanced stats, for example, K Ford ratings, uh, they have Syracuse ranked 27th, which I think is a lot higher than the public perception of them would be uh, for reference as well. UNC is ranked 21st in those K Ford ratings. And they have a very uh, aggressive uh, attacking defense. A couple of the stats here from the Syracuse game notes, they rank ninth in the nation and lead the ACC in tackles for loss. They average 3.2 sacks per game and they rank ninth nationally and first in the ACC in turnovers gained with 11. This is not a trap game at all. This is just a really challenging home game. I think it does come at a good time on UNC's schedule for all the reasons you alluded to, Jeremiah, coming off of a bye week. And it's kind of a bad time in Syracuse's schedule uh, coming off of that game last weekend against Clemson. But with all that being said, this is going to be a very tough fight, I believe, in Chapel Hill on Saturday. What about Syracuse's stretch? And Adam, you mentioned it in the side chat. They played Clemson at home. They play at Carolina, at Florida State, three straight weeks. I mean – yeah. Especially you look at that compared to Louisville's schedule. Somebody in chat said, who's going to beat Louisville? Um, well, I thought Duke might until yeah. Riley Leonard went down. But uh, Syracuse has no favor in the conference schedule. The last month is, is fairly easy, but this stretch of them. Adam, uh, a tough game for North Carolina, but let's talk about the focus of, of the coaching staff, of the players. What What is Mac Brown – and his staff learned over these last few years where they come out of a bye and they may not be as sharp and as focused as they have been. What can we expect to see differently, if anything, come Saturday? Well, just to just real quick, I would encourage our our listeners and our viewers to hop in the chat and really roast John if, if they would like to. Um, I mean, he's a sweet and lovable young man we we do we do care about him greatly but i mean if he needs to be roasted he needs to be roasted about that's right seen, i have to be held accountable yeah right <laughs> you have to be at a, hold a, i've seen a few comments that have been sort of been tiptoeing up to the edge there um and i would just encourage encourage some more of that just uh you know right for for accountability purposes but um but tommy yeah like i mean i this whole thing could blow up in my face what I'm about to say here, but I, I just think that this is a, a, an older UNC team, a confident UNC team, a mature UNC team. Um, I, I understand they haven't looked like potential national champions in every one of these games they've played, but I mean, they're 4-0 and I, I think they're focused. I mean, I, I just get the sense that, I mean, you know, you've heard, we've heard from the coaches and the players that last week's three practices on the bye week, when you don't have an opponent to prepare for, were good. They were high energy, and nobody was lollygagging. Um, you know, I, I think you know. I, I thought that was an important thing to listen for. You know, talking to Cedric Gray today, I just think that I just think that the the leaders of this team um, are locked in and focused on you know taking this thing better than they than it was last year. I mean, the end of last year has been a major, major, major motivational point uh irritant maybe uh for a lot of these guys i mean you know it's just interesting when you're having a conversation with these guys drake today i just typed it in for some reason said yeah we laid an egg against georgia tech last year i don't think anybody was asking him anything to do with georgia tech or whatever we may have but he's just says yep we laid an egg uh at the end of the season so like i think that they're i I think their focus is uh is where it needs to be. I mean, talking when when you were mentioning other bye weeks. I mean, last year they came out of the bye week and played Notre Dame at home. Uh, they had those early three games bye week, and you think this thing team's going to be rested and ready to really rock and roll here. And no, Notre Dame sort of shoved it down their throats. But um, you know, I, 
I think they'll be ready to go. Uh, and and Jeremiah alluded to it. We thought it was interesting that that Mac had them uh, what take notes on the Syracuse Clemson game. I mean, these guys can go into the Keenan Football Center and watch literally any college football game they want to. It's all there, and they can just watch the good parts too. They don't have to watch the you know the commercial. They have everything cut up exactly what they need to see. Um, but you know they actually turn the TVs on and watch the Cuse and, and Clemson. And you know, took some notes like it was a class. Um, so I, I think that's another another good thing that's happening here. Let me uh, throw this up, John. I know you got your stats ready, but uh, <laughs> and, and the overlay messes up our stuff. Uh, but producer John's currently losing to a flipped coin in his game game predictions. I guess um, technically I'd be tied, right? Two two two. So. Well, it depends. If if you flip a coin four times, is it guaranteed to be two and two? Bring your stats because I think they're relevant. Yeah, let's go over real quick the history of UNC in the Mac 2.0 era uh, after bye week. So in the 2019 season, they had two open dates, October 12th. The week following, that was the six-overtime loss to Virginia Tech in Blacksburg. The second open date, that was the overtime loss uh, to Pitt Uh in 2020, they had two open dates. Again, that was a little bit of a weird season, the COVID season. Uh, so technically, they had two weeks off when the 49ers canceled the game. Uh, and then they had off. Uh, they beat Boston College. And then there were three straight bye weeks. And then they played Notre Dame. So in 2020, they had a bye week. They lost to Notre Dame. The same thing happened the past two seasons in 2021 and 2022. Uh, they also got a win after an open date last season against Pitt. So I think maybe the narrative there is a little bit overstated about Mac Brown's team's uh, failure after bye weeks. I mean, playing Notre Dame, that's always going to be a quality opponent no matter when you play them. Um, so I think that, uh, you know, there's not a whole lot of uh, signal there, uh, but it is interesting to look at some of the results uh, after bye weeks in the Mac 2.0 era. Uh, you bring facts to a uh... – to a, a bunch of commentary um, is, is certainly relevant. Jeremiah, let me ask you something that's in the chat a lot already, and I need to figure out how to not mess up the chat. But one of the big news items, I was asked about Monday's press conference. I was like, there's really not a lot of news except for the Petaway deal. You guys had it covered. Uh, I think George Petaway is doing the perfect thing for George Petaway. And the rules provide that. Jeremiah, your thoughts on that announcement that he was going to redshirt for the rest of the year and then ultimately make a decision for what he wants to do in his future? Yeah, for sure. I think it's, you know, the probably most logical way to go when you really consider all the factors. When you look at the running back room, it's Amarian Hampton and British Brooks taking the lion's share of the carries right now. We haven't even really said Elijah Green's name very much. Last year, he was the lead running back rusher for UNC. Um, we've seen him a couple of times, but not a ton. And George Petaway in the uh, depth charts that they've been releasing have even been uh, behind Elijah Green. When you look at the special teams, Elijah Huzzy's out there for the punt returns and things like that. Uh, and then I know Martin Hampton's been out there for some of the, uh, you know, coverages as well, uh, if I have that correct. But and we've seen, you know, Petaway out there some, but not a ton. Uh, but the point is, when you look at all of the guys that are ahead of him and how often they're out there on the field, it, you know, the logical thing to do would be, OK, I'm not going to keep burning games to the point where I burn a whole year of eligibility. Let me go ahead and register. And what that does, you are allowed by NCAA rules, I think last year was the first year of this. I don't think 21. I think 22 was the first year of this where you can play in that bowl game as a fifth game if you so choose, and it doesn't count against your red shirt. So he would still be able to – like if UNC was short of running backs when they got to a bowl game, he would be able to play and kind of get that experience and, and bring that you know kind of momentum into next year if that were so to happen. I know one thing Matt kind of brought up was, you know, Obviously, God forbid, but if somebody, you know, ends up getting hurt or, or something happens and they just need to throw them in there, that's always, obviously always on the table. But another thing that's interesting about the Petaway thing is, you know, we understood, you know, starting in that in training camp that they were working them out at the slot and they actually put them in the slot on the depth chart uh, some of those weeks. So I don't know, was the writing on the wall there, you know, just to, you know, get them some more, you know, see different places that they can kind of play him and, and things like that. Was that kind of an early sign? 
maybe it was, uh, but I think it makes plenty of sense. I know Petaway is a guy that, you know, a lot of people have been high on since he, you know, came out of high school to, to go to UNC. So he's a player that, you know, a lot of people are going to be kind of paying attention to, to see what he does. Does he stay uh, in the future and, and, and things like that. But I think just looking at it right now, it's the most logical thing to do. He's an asset that you could potentially keep next year, whether that is in the running back room or if that is on special teams. Uh, so, you know, good to, you know, probably preserve that year. I know Mac also just real quick to wrap it up. Mac was saying that they don't do, they're not going to officially make that call until after the bowl game, but it does look like it's turning in that direction. And if so, I think that's probably uh, the best thing to do with a, with a player like him. Yeah. I did think it's interesting that no, nobody, none of the red shirts are official yeah. until after the bowl game, uh, but you have to plan for it. Like you said, you can't play more than four. You can get that bowl game in. Adam, the one thing, uh, another thing that came out of that press conference that is, uh, it makes a hundred percent of sense is they spent the bye week working on depth charts for the spring. <laughs> I mean, how crazy has it become? I mean, not only as you know, the recruiting process is sped up so ridiculously, the 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 management of a roster is is ridiculous these days. Now it's to the point where you're spending a bye week in September, right? planning your depth chart for the following season. But you have to, because if you don't, you're left behind. I mean, it's just crazy, especially for us old heads. You said exactly what I was going to say. By the way, they were doing that in the last week of September. <laughs> like, you know, it's not like they said they, they took uh, a couple days. Like in December, you know, when you've got those three weeks or whatever, you're getting ready for a bowl game or four weeks or however long it is. You know, you could say, okay, let's put together a spring depth chart. No, they were doing it in September uh you know the first couple days of the fall season uh but you know just to add to to jeremiah real quick i think i i agree i think the red the decision it was petaway's decision him and his father um to to redshirt i mean what else is he gonna do he's gonna just burn a year um i mean he is i mean he's behind hampton british brooks elijah green and caleb hood in terms of a running back rotation, there is, he's not in a rotation, you know, it was, and Jeremiah alluded to it too. And I, you know, we're, we're, I remember being in Charlotte, we're like, Oh, cause I believe Petaway called a pass in that game at South Carolina against South Carolina opener. And we're like, Ooh, well maybe we could see, maybe, maybe this is George Petaway, the third down back. Um, but it just hasn't happened for whatever reason. Carolina's going to roll with these two running backs with Omari and Hampton and British Brooks. And you might see Caleb Hood, and or you might see Elijah Green sprinkled in, but it's going to be those two guys, uh, barring you know something that happens. Um, and yeah, I mean, how many kicks do they even return these days? I mean, think about how many touchbacks you have. He's just going out there. Pedaways is going out there, standing there, fair catching, and going back to the sidelines. Yep. So, sure, like I mean, he didn't. He was a guy. He had that fast start to last season, where he, I think he scored against Florida A and M in the opener. I know he scored it app and uh, you know, you're kind of thinking like, okay, but then it was like, well, dang, should they have tried to redshirt pet away? Cause he just completely fell off the map in terms of usage. They didn't use him uh, in production. He wasn't producing cause he wasn't out there. Um, so, I mean, I think, I think it's the right, right call. I mean, you know, you look at who, who plays well in college football, it's the older guys, but yeah, the, the spring depth chart, um, it sounds like Mac had a lot of homework assignments for people last week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Mac, Mac, uh, he he didn't have his feet up. He wasn't coasting into the bye. He, he's like um, he's like giving people stuff to do. I, yeah, I think that's fascinating. I did make the joke to Mac as he was walking off after talking to him. It was number ten the QB one for the spring. Um, <laughs> so I got a little laugh out of him there. But uh, yeah, and, and but really though, Tommy like. To ask you a question, how much how much can you plan though when you know the portals out there? You know, you just know how much change there can't think about what Carolina brought in what 10 portal guys this past time, and they've all been pretty important. Like I, I, I I'm not sure how much planning you can do, is I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, you can plan, but then unexpected things happen, but then you have that portal to go to go dip into if you need to, and you can even do that late. The thing that I think will make it a lot simpler, and Mac mentioned Patrick Suttis, and that guy, 
I, I mean, to, he is. We talk a lot about herding cats, you know, in certain for and that you know just what people are doing. He has got to literally plan for the unknown and the unpredictable. Um, because you can ask a teenager in September, what's your plans for next year if you don't play at all this year? Are you leaving or whatever? And you never know. Um, so just a crazy, hectic job. But, Adam, I don't know how you do it. You know, I really don't know how you do it. You know, just like when Mac was talking about Petaway is if somebody gets hurt and Petaway has to play, then Petaway says he's going to stay around and he'll play and he'll do that. I mean, if somebody twists an ankle and they're out of game, do you have to use him? I mean, you've got. I'm looking at the stats here, and this is something to me. Elijah Green's got one carry on the season. Caleb Hood's got six. Okay. Those guys have to be third and fourth on the depth chart, right? They absolutely are. Petaway, Petaway was on the the slot chart or the slot depth chart. Well, you've got Nate McCollum, you've got Kobe Pesor there. So, what is the likelihood, of, even if with injuries, is he used? How do you manage that? I don't know. It's just the COVID year, too. They're finally getting out of the COVID year, which is something I think is ridiculous. If I came into Carolina, you know, in 19 or 20, and I have an extra year than somebody that came in in 22, how do you manage all that? Just nuts. And then you end up with, you know, 25, 26-year-old guys on rosters. Uh, so it's just beyond ridiculous. And, and hopefully – uh, whatever planning they do now will stick because it could be completely different in the spring. So I ramble on to say who knows, but to your point, Mac did put a lot of homework on them, whether it was that or, or watching the Clemson-Syracuse game with a notepad, jotting down right. what you're supposed to be doing. Let's sort of flip it a little bit before we take a break. Um, we talked about Syracuse. I want to talk about Syracuse directly here, Jeremiah. I'm looking at Syracuse's roster or excuse me Syracuse Syracuse what's the Syracuse's stats what's the longest run from scrimmage uh for for Garrett Schrader 40 yards 39 yards okay okay this is a guy that causes a lot of problems for North Carolina in the past how has North Carolina's approach changed and is the play of Cedric Gray and Power Eccles just giant on Saturday for this game I think it's going to be big. I, I know. I know one thing they were talking about. Uh, you know, both the coaches and the players that we got today were talking about Garrett Schrader's ability to run the ball. I know Adams asked a couple of those guys, like, you know, did it shock you that he had the one ninety five against uh, Purdue? I know that was the game that you know a lot of people looked at because Garrett Schrader had the two just nasty like play action fakes or right. not even play action like that. I guess the RPO. Uh, you know, and it kind of rolled out. One got a touchdown. One was like the game icing, yep. uh, you know, first down. I think he had four rushing touchdowns in that game too. Or something did. crazy like that. He did. The um, numbers were insane, Jeremiah. I mean, the they're numbers, not, think about yeah. the fantasy numbers if you're getting that out of your quarterback. You know what I mean? I mean, yep. seriously. Like he had 195 rushing and 184 passing. So <laughs> yeah, that was that was that was a ridiculous game for him. Um, but yeah, when you when you look at that, you're gonna need. But also, Cayman Rucker was talking about you know trying to keep contain on him, you know, in, in the event that he does break out and run, and and you know trying to you know keep uh, keep him contained in the pocket. And then when you look at the wide receivers, they have a couple of just really so they have a six six and a six four on the outside. I mean, it just you know they have uh, you know some options to throw to as well. So I think you would see from a matchup standpoint does have their work, you know, kind of cut out for them a little bit because there, there are some things that Syracuse can uh, do, some challenges that they present. Um, I think when I look at that game, though, I still – I view that as a game that UNC should win because I do think they're a more complete team. Obviously, they're at home. But, I mean, you know, Sir, I mean, we've seen early on this season that some of these teams have been able to kind of get a jump out on UNC, whether that's either, you know, taking the lead or just having a – a really good early drive. I mean, last game Pitt had the, I think it was a 13 play, eight minute drive, you know, so stuff like that has happened. And the thing about what UNC is doing this year, they've been able to kind of, you know, recorrect course. So, you know, that's going to be the main key. But I mean, like I said earlier, a lot of the reason that Syracuse lost to Clemson and why that game got out of hand is because all three of their turnovers turned into Clemson touchdowns. Uh, so I think a key for UNC is going to be, 
obviously containing Garrett Schrader as much as you can and, you know, really winning the turnover battle, you know, because clearly the, the turnover battle is uh, is just leading to uh, to so many points. So, yeah, I think when, when you look at Syracuse and you look at that offense, man, I think that's uh, a lot of what you see. You see a guy in Garrett Schrader that um, has been pretty productive outside of probably that Clemson game and, uh, you know, some of the UNC is going to have to really account for. And just to add to, to what Jeremiah is saying there, which are all great points, and he's talking about the size that, that the Cuse has at receiver. Let's not forget also they lost Aronde Gadsden, who I, I would – I mean, he's out for the year. I think it's a Liz Frank injury. Um, I mean, he was a, a preseason all-ACC guy. I'm sure he made an all-ACC postseason team last year. His father, as T.A., I'm sure remembers, was a great player at Winston-Salem State and the Miami Dolphins back in the day. Um but he is a problem. I mean, uh, you know, he's – you know who he has always reminded me of, I don't know if you guys agree, is sort of a Bryson Nesbitt, maybe with a little more speed. Like, he's got that height, and you're not sure if he's a tight end or a, just a massive jumbo wide out. Anyway, he's not – Syracuse doesn't have him. So, that's something that if you're Marcus Allen and Elijah Huzzy and Tayon Holloway and Armani Chapman, you sort of have to – you know, I, I'm not going to have to go up against two six six guys running around. So I think that's an important note on the the weapons that Garrett Strader has. And as Jeremiah said, I think Garrett Strader, you know, the ball fakes, as, he was, as Jeremiah was saying, some of those ball fake, fakes are just fantastic. Um, you know, like selling it and then just the naked boot just down the field. Um, he's become a pretty polished player. Kid, a guy out of Charlotte, Charlotte Christian High School, you know, uh, he was a he he went through quarterback country just like Drake May did, you know the 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 sort of the quarterback academy down there in Charlotte that Anthony Boone runs. Uh, he was a he was a QB country kid, um, so that's kind of an interesting angle. Said Gray, we were talking to him today. They were on the same seven on seven team for the Carolina Stars. Him and Garrett Schrader. Um, you it's may crazy countdown for kickoff uh, coming up later this week. So anyway, Cedric, Cedric got wide receiver. Right, his wide his wide out days back in the day. Um, it's crazy how much talent came out of that area. Yes, yes, and, and continues to. Garrett Schrader, one of two active quarterbacks with six thousand yards passing, two thousand yards rushing, mm. other than being Jaden Daniels from LSU. John, you want to do this Johnny T-shirt read? You you were great at it last week. <laughs> Thank you, Tommy. Today's show is sponsored by Johnny T-shirt. If you're walking down Franklin Street this weekend, you're tailgating, you're going to need to pick up some new gear for the Tar Heels from Johnny T-Shirt. They have a great location on Franklin Street. You can also shop online uh, at Johnny T-Shirt. Inside Carolina Premium subscribers get a 10% discount uh, when checking out, so be sure to use that and lean on Johnny T-Shirt for all of your UNC gear needs Anything you need for the next three homestands, you can get at Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. We're going to let the national guys pay the bills, as Tommy always say. We'll be back in a second with the second half of the show. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. We are back with the second half. I, you know, I smile like a, uh, like a proud father <laughs> when I hear John handle that Johnny T-shirt read. And well, I'm, let me tell you, let me tell you something, Tommy. I set the bar so high that first one. You I, did. I you knew, nailed it. I couldn't, I couldn't top it this. So I just had to kind of go with the standard <laughs> read this time. And then, you know, next week maybe I'll try to raise the bar a little bit. You know, you can't, you can't throw a fastball 
every single time. You got to mix in a change up every once in a while. Hey, I agree a hundred percent, especially with the baseball playoffs coming. If you just throw heat all game, you're going to get beat deep. And, uh, John Bowman handling Johnny t-shirt. Let's get into some of these questions. Uh, Jeremiah, I'll come to you first. Bull Hill ask. We got to switch up the, uh, thing. Hold on now. I'm in a new place. There you go. Question from Bull Hill. Four games in, have we changed preseason expectations for this team? Jeremiah, I believe you were one of the eight and four guys. I was. I was. I was one of the eight and four guys. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I will say I will say I have. Um, they do look better than, a, than an eight-win team so far, I would say. Um, so I think it's reasonable to to kind of, you know, change some of those early expectations for sure. Um, when I look at their schedule right now, the games that stick out the most to me and the games that might say the most remaining is at Clemson and then hosting Miami, hosting Duke, especially if the Miami game ends up being a battle of undefeateds. Um, if that ends up happening, that's going to be, I guess, crucial to the way that, you know, a lot of people look at UNC. How do they step into that moment? How do they fare against, obviously, a good Miami team? Um, so I think that game will say a lot. I think Duke's defense is legit. I know sometimes in the early season people have concerns of, all oh, they haven't played anybody. But, I mean, that defense was really good against Notre Dame. They gave up that late drive and the two-point conversion, obviously. But that was, you know, they played a really good defensive game against a, a really good Notre Dame team. So, those are the games that say a lot uh, to me. Obviously, no disrespect to anybody else that's on that on that schedule, but I think those are clearly the games that that stand out. And you're gonna have to really be able to snag, you know, one of those games. I would say at least two of those games to really, you know, have a shot at um, at, at being in the uh, in the championship game in Charlotte. But yeah, I think you all, you know, I think for me, just as a, a natural skeptic with the with the teams I cover, you have to keep a Try to keep a, a level head. I'm not saying picking them to win more games means that you're, you know, uh, not keeping a level head. But sometimes you have to just, you know, you know. So that's kind of the that's kind of where the eight and four came from. But to their credit, they do look better than a than an eight win team for sure. You haven't heard I, somebody picked them twelve and zero a couple of years ago, and they went six and seven. <laughs> hey, it happens. <laughs> It I'm not doing it again, and I don't know that guy before. That was a that was a previous life. Adam, I got a question for you on here. Let me find a good one. Uh, this is good on you for admitting that, Tommy. You didn't have to bring that up. I, 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 I admit nothing. <laughs> yeah, we're trying to get the uh, – here you go. This is a good one for you, Adam. And, and it's more of a – probably more of a fan question, but, but from a – person that's covering it has intimate knowledge of the program and all do you fully trust this team to take advantage of the opportunity they have and why from talking to the players they seem fully invested in understanding the opportunity that they do have at this point in the season still a long season but they seem to get it and and understand the gravity of it moving forward I think I think that's well said on gravity. I think our guy Jimbo Whitfield here, if that is your real name, Jimbo, uh, <laughs> I think that's a well phrased question. Uh, good job, Jimbo, as opposed to some of these yahoos firing stuff off. Now I'm just playing. Um, I think hey, I'm 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 not trying to dodge the question. I think it's what what is the opportunity that we're talking about? Are we talking about ACC championship game? Are we talking about college football playoff mix like what yeah i mean how are we qualifying it but but uh yes i do think they i think i think i do trust them but i don't know how um how far we're taking this in terms of what the opportunity is um i think it's gonna be a super interesting race to get to charlotte and shout out to jeremiah ever since he said that a couple weeks ago that has been in my head uh yeah i'm writing stories with it in the lead i i, I just think it's a interesting way to think about an accurate way to think about the jockeying that is going to go on between these teams, some of which don't play each other as we know. Um, I had not to toot my own horn here. I had them in and two. Uh, I did have I, the losses that I had were Duke at home and then at Clemson. Um, 
I certainly think this UNC team can win both of those games. Uh, I think it's incredibly hard to win at Clemson, even though FSU was able to pull a rabbit out of its hat in a game that I thought Clemson sort of had control of a couple of weeks ago until the the blitz for the sack and the scoop and score. But I to answer what Jimbo said, I, I think I do trust them. Now, you talk to me in a week or two, I could be dead wrong. But I'm not sure what we're talking about in terms of what the opportunity is. I think the opportunity is definitely there to have a 9 or 10 win season, maybe, I mean, maybe more, um, judging by who's left here, if you don't stub your toe. Um and you keep everybody healthy. I think there's I think there's a chance for a really good season. The most wins that a UNC team has had since Mac 1.0, since Fedora in 2015 or Mac 1.0, but I'm not sure where that opportunity sort of maxes out. I mean, I don't think you're gonna see these guys in college football playoff, but then stranger things have happened. I mean, think about TCU last year. Yeah, I wanted so bad to go playoffs. Playoffs? <laughs> go for it. Uh I, I think for me. They got through the first four like they needed to. We, Greg and I talked a lot about, Greg Barnes and I talked a lot about, we'll know exactly what this team is after Pitt and after Minnesota. Well, we know they're a 4-0 team. I think the next three games, specifically the next two games, um, because Virginia's just not good, and, and bless them, they've been through hell, um, and I really wanted to see them win in Raleigh just for that purpose, or, or not in Raleigh, against NC State, against West Raleigh. Um, to get that game done. But Syracuse and Miami are games that North Carolina should win at home. That Those two games or these two games will tell me if I trust them enough that they understand the gravity of the moment um, to come out and play well and play tough and, and play big in those time games. Syracuse game is huge. Everybody's saying it's one game at a time. Absolutely. And that's the thing for this North Carolina team is do they come out fully focused on Syracuse and handle Syracuse before peaking ahead? Because it's natural to peek ahead and look down the schedule. I mean, the only way you don't look ahead is if you don't know who you're playing the following week and because everybody does it. So that's my point on that. Let's get another one. Uh, Jeremiah, this is relevant. Michael Daniels asks, how will the defense cover the big receivers and the tight end? Saw the impact Q&A on Stick Lane, who has stepped in against Pittsburgh, made six tackles or so, but Stick's a small fella. He's not tall. <laughs> and, uh, he's a smart little Stick. He, he, <laughs> he's tough. Um, he's one you don't want, you know, Grandpa to go out and find that Stick um, <laughs> when you get in trouble. But, uh, but – <laughs> he's a he's a shorter guy. Uh, Marcus Allen, obviously, Tayon Holloway have some size. Huzzy's not the tallest, but he's physical. So, how does North Carolina handle Syracuse's size in the receiver positions? Yeah, well, Michael, I'm certainly that's a good question. I'm certainly not a you know defensive guru, you know, when it comes to you know the game planning and things like that. But I think Tommy does make the good point. Um, you know, Marcus Allen and and Tayon Holloway, those guys are pretty physical. Uh, you know. A little tall, you know. I think they're. I think. I think they give Marcus six one six two. I think Taeyong gets six one, if I have that correct. Um, so you know they have you know the ability to kind of contain. You don't necessarily see a ton of six four six six corners anyway. So I mean, it is. It is what it is. I, I guess when it comes to that, um, I do think this is probably a game where uh, you do probably look to uh, you know maybe to a linebacker out in coverage a little bit. You know, just to kind of account for the uh, you know the tight end out there. But um, you know, I think. Again, it's a situation where you look at that matchup and you say, I mean, they, they have their work cut out for them. I mean, you know, your height, that doesn't automatically mean that you're, you know, going to be able to catch balls and you're going to be able to run routes by guys and, and things like that. But, I mean, it does give you an advantage in those 50-50 situations. So I think one thing to, you know, kind of take into account, you know, when you get in those 50-50, you, you just have to be – your positioning has to be good. Like your positioning – up in the air, you know, just has to be on there. Um, I think Tayon Holloway's probably improved a lot in those situations. I know a lot of the time we've, we talked about that week one game against Xavier the Gap against South Carolina, and he was actually in position, you know, for those 50-50 balls, and the Gap was just, you know, kind of – he was there. Um, but I think as times kind of progressed, 
I think they've liked a little bit more just kind of what they've seen from him. I know they put uh, Armani Chapman in there at times, you know, and, and things like that. But uh, I think this is a game where you're going to have to really look. Also, Marcus Allen so far this year hasn't, you know, been taken advantage of as a corner. Like, you know, he's really been kind of doing his job out there. So I don't know that there's too much call for concern or cause for concern uh, on his side of the field. So uh, that's what I would say. Uh, maybe not the the perfect answer, you know, but uh, I think those are – I think when I look at it, that's, that's just the way that I, you know, kind of break down the situation. And how about this real quick, just to add on to what Jeremiah is saying. Tayon Holloway uh, – disqualified for targeting at Pitt, oh, yeah, as right. we remember. Um, and we were saying today, I think it was, Jeremiah, like if you're going to get targeting, the bet. I mean, the best time to best do it time, is eight yeah. seconds left in the first half when you only yeah. have to miss the second half of the next game. If he does that eight seconds into the second <laughs> half, he's out for the first half of this game. He's got, you know, obviously the bye week comes, but he's out for the uh, first half of this game per the the – the punishment of uh, of a targeting penalty. So that was kind of a, I don't know if you can ever say that's like a fortuitous thing, but yeah, I mean, if you're going to have to get one of those things and lose a guy, I guess like the very last play of the first half is the time to do it. I, I wish I could say I knew what he got ejected for, <laughs> but to this day, I have not seen a replay of that play at all uh, to know exactly what happened. Well, did they not show one? No, they they had te- ACC Network had technical difficulties. You're kidding me! <laughs> so there was nothing. They barely showed the play, um, and then they never showed a replay that saw anything. It was I like that for a few minutes. I don't, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it was we a thing where wasn't uh, Jerkovic sliding? They were both kind of sliding into each other. Is that right? Yeah. I, I, don't know. Yeah, that's that's about what happened. I did see a Notre Dame guy get te- get uh, targeting on a hip. Yes, yes. Which is probably the dumbest thing I've ever seen. But, uh, I mean, if the guy wants to hurt himself drilling somebody in the hip and leg with his head down, right. targeting and getting ejected. Anyway, go ahead, John. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm dominating the conversation. I need to pass it to the, to the young bucks. Not at all. I would throw out Will Hardy as well. We haven't seen too much of him this season. He's only played 42 snaps, but he's another big body that UNC has in the defensive backfield rotation. He might get some of the assignments, especially against a tight end. This question is for Tommy from uh, Jonathan Tornberg, JT. Uh, Is this defense better prepared to stop a running quarterback than we've been in the past few years? What do you think, Tommy? Is this defense able to stop a running QB like Schrader? Uh, I mean, you think so because of what you've seen thus far? Um, But Jerkovic made him look bad early uh, and and ran some plays. I did find it interesting um, to one of the questions, I think it was actually Grace's question from DTH, uh, to Chiswick about uh, rush lanes and how do you commit to staying in your rush lanes. He said there's six rush lanes on every play um, with four guys. So you've got to be creative there. I think – that is a key against a guy like Schrader. It's a key against any running quarterback is don't run past him. You know, you contain him, but you don't run past him. How many times did we see and have we seen over the years across the board is a quarterback step up into the pocket and then he's got daylight in front of him? I mean, look at the play Sam Hartman made against Duke. They rush him, flush him out of the pocket, and then nobody else – Everybody else just loses their mind, and he basically waltzes for the game-winning first down. After stopping, I thought he was going to throw for him. I could not believe he was able to stop, essentially, you know, at the line and then start back and get 16 yards on fourth down. I mean, he's not Michael Vick. God bless Sam Harden. Uh, And nobody was near him. Yeah, Uh, he stopped. I was like, oh, damn. You know, like – Anyway, sorry to interrupt you. No, it's a a great point. That is the key against a running quarterback is not only is it rushing and staying in your lanes, it's the guys on the back end not losing sight of where they are on the football field. You know, running quarterbacks love man coverage in the back end. Just send your receivers out. Everybody turns their back, running with your receivers, and then you run in behind them. How Carolina deals with that, um, do you rush four and drop seven? Somebody mentioned the spy in, in the uh, in the chat. A spy takes a guy out of doing something else, though. You know, so 
if you put, say, Cedric Gray or Power Eccles as a spy on the quarterback, then that's his job. Well, if the quarterback sits back there and throws a pass, then your spy's done nothing that game, at least the way I watch football. Um, now, if he steps up and makes a play, but then if your spy gets caught up in the wash, there's nobody there responsible for the quarterback. So there's a lot of things going on, but I think discipline up front and also discipline on the back end to not lose sight of what's happening is key for North Carolina. And I think they've been better at that. Um, you know, Or you just unleash Cayman Rucker and say, go get him. <laughs> and, and he makes the plays every week. I don't know. What do you think, Adam? Well, also, don't dis- discount the fact of how deep that UNC has shown itself through four games to be on the defensive line. I mean, yep. we're seeing Des Evans, Bo Atkinson, and Jacoby Cowan all playing, you know, uh, in the first half at, at defensive end. You know, they get Tamari Fox, they get Javari Ritzy on there, in there on the inside. I mean, Rucker is just – he is – that he is a man. He is a monster. Like, the number of snaps that he plays, the energy he expends, uh, two more sacks against Pittsburgh. Um, but I think I think that the depth, if you're UNC of the defensive line, could could help out there. You know, I think it's going to be a lot a long day of running for Sed Gray and Power Eccles. I mean, fortunately for Carolina, Sed Gray is a super athletic guy at linebacker. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that's going to be the game within the game because you could have good coverage and you could get after Schrader and he could escape and keep drives moving and stuff. And you know how much of a killer. UNC defense has been a lot better on third downs this year. You know how much of a killer that can be. I feel like some of those Jay Bateman defenses got in a lot of third downs and could not get off the field sometimes. Yeah, and, and one more point, and, and this is, you mentioned Rucker, and I think he's huge in a game like this. He's going to be big for every time North Carolina um, lines up and plays. But I think this is another game, and I thought this was important uh, against Pittsburgh for guys like Miles Murphy, Tamari Fox, and Hester to be good, solid in front because quarterbacks hate pressure in the front. And I mentioned earlier, you flush them up and they run straight up the field for 10, 15 yards. Well, that's where Miles Murphy's got to be big. If Rucker gets pressure on the end, he can't just escape straight up the middle. If he has to run side to side, that's where you get a guy like Dez Evans that can chase down. I mean, Dez, um, of everything he can do, he is a solid chase down defensive end. And so I think that's how North Carolina handles it. Cover on the back end, keep your eyes up, you know, in the middle, and then the the defensive line has to make plays and do it smartly. It'd be interesting because Schrader's a stud, man. I mean, he, he's a big dude and he makes plays and uh, he can beat you both ways with his arm and his, with his legs, and that's going to be the challenge for North Carolina. Any other questions you see on there, John, before we get to this wrap-up section? And final thoughts from Jeremiah and Adam. Yeah, uh, I'll pull up uh, one last question here. Uh, This is uh, speaking to the ACC. We've been talking a lot about the conference championship race. It's good to call out. This is the first year without the Atlantic and Coastal Division. So UNC is competing against Louisville. Uh, Who do you think could catch Louisville? I know we don't have the, the schedule in front of them. But could you see a scenario in which UNC and Louisville are competing potentially for that second slot uh, to make it to the ACC championship game in Charlotte? I mean, yeah, they could be. I don't know. This is going to be the jinx of all jinxes. I mean, I'm not that blown away by Louisville. I know they haven't lost. Um, and I know they do play Duke. If somebody could pull up their schedule, that, that I got it right here. Who, who do you see on there? So they, lost, they beat NC State, which that was one of those games where – you know, North Carolina fans want to see NC State lose every game they play. Right. But that was probably a game that Louisville needed to lose. They played Notre Dame this coming weekend, which is obviously not a conference game. Yeah, that's play- Louisville, I believe. Yep, that's at Louisville. Then they play at Pitt. And I don't, from what I saw, Pittsburgh is, is not any good. Um, can they beat Louisville? Sure. Then they get Duke on the 28th. And I think the key there – and that's in Louisville. The key, obviously, there is going to be is Riley Leonard healthy. Right. I know nothing about Duke's backup quarterback other than he's the backup quarterback at Duke. How good he is, I guess we'll find out. So that out. makes him your favorite player, right, right Tom? <laughs> um, it, does, it, it, it does not apply um, for other teams. And then they get Virginia Tech, Virginia. 
who both those teams are terrible, um, but who knows? They do have Miami. Okay, so it's up to Duke and Miami. It's up okay. to Duke and Miami, all things considered, um, for Louisville. And, you know, that's the that's about as gifted of a schedule as you can get in the conference right. for Louisville to make a run. And so I haven't watched them enough. You in Carolina, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so it's Pitt, Duke, and Miami, even though Pitt's not any good. Virginia Tech, Virginia. So who's going to beat Louisville? I think you better hope Duke. And you better hope Miami do. They'll uh, lose but, a game somewhere, right? I mean, this is not like – What I'd love to see is uh, Florida State, Carolina, and Louisville all 8-0 in the conference. It could happen. It's right there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and chaos, then, yeah. chaos theory, Tommy. But then, in 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 honesty, if I were the highest ranked team of that bunch, say I was Florida State and I was second in the nation, or whatever they would be if they get there undefeated, I would totally be fine with those other two teams playing for the ACC championship because I'm still going to make the playoff if I'm ranked that high. I think. Um, and you take that one game off your off your body as you go into it. Remember how Alabama used to miss the couple times they missed the SEC championship game, still make the playoff and and win the thing. So anyway, chaos theory. Would love to see it. Let me take a second to talk about a new sponsor we have at Inside Carolina. And, you know, we talk about Johnny T-shirt, Johnny T-shirt being local, but Congruity, Congruity HR is a new sponsor of this Inside Carolina show and all the Inside Carolina shows. Those guys are local. They're a North Carolina-based company. They are national, but they're based in North Carolina. They give you local presence here and personal support. Uh, all your HR, payroll, employee benefit needs you can possibly have. If you're a Tar Heel business or, or in the Tar Heel state or a alum with a, a business, a small business or a mid-sized business, Congruity HR has got you covered. They handle everything for you. It enables you to grow your business while they take care of everything, including your greatest asset, which is the people. I mentioned it the first time we talked about them. Top-of-the-line technology. I'm not great with computers. I need somebody to show me about computers and show me everything that you can do with technology. Well, Congruity does it. They take care of you on that, and they are obsessed with customer service. Inside Carolina partners with folks that, are big on customer service and congruity is another one of those companies that take care of that and then they can transform your business into everything you ever imagined with it take advantage of congruity congruity hr do this go to congruityhr.com front slash tar heels learn more about the company fill out a quick survey and get connected with their consultants and they give inside carolina listeners and viewers everything for free the assessment for free that's congruityhr.com front slash Tar Heels. New sponsor, and we're glad to have them. Always looking for ways we can support local. That's a way you can support local. All right, closing thoughts here. Jeremiah, I'm going to let you lead the closing thoughts. North Carolina, Syracuse, 3.30 Saturday in Keenan Stadium. Wherever you want to go with it, take it. You got... I'll pull out Buck's famed hourglass, and you got two minutes to tell us everything relevant for Saturday. Yeah, well, I think Saturday is one of those games that's really going to kind of it, – it's a good gauge, I think, for UNC to, you know, say, okay, we're coming into this game. We want to be 5-0, and like I mentioned earlier. Florida State, Louisville still out there with undefeated records. Um, this is really only your second conference game, so it, it actually is a – I guess a, a helpful, you know, kind of game on your schedule to posi position yourself well toward the future. And again, it is the first of a three game, three straight games at home. Um, it's one that you need, you know, it's one that you need. It's a tight race right now. Um, so beyond that, I think we covered a lot of the bases as far as, uh, you know, the game itself. One thing I do want to pay attention to, in this particular game is the running game. I think they had a lot of, I think UNC had a lot of success with it. The first two weeks, the last couple of weeks, not quite as much, you know, I think they did play some, you know, some pretty big defensive lines the last couple of games, but beyond, I mean, they still didn't have a, a lot of great success from start to finish. So 
I think that's one area of the game that they're going to have to pay a lot of attention to. The passing game, I think, has been solid. They've been able to get different guys in there uh, and, 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 you know, different guys involved there. But I think you want to see Hampton and Brooks, you know, kind of have more efficient yards per ga- yards per carries uh, on Saturday. John B., what you got? I know you got some fancy stats. Um, I'm looking at a stat. Obviously, Syracuse's schedule is not great, but they're only giving up 15 points or 14.8 points per game. Um, that's an interesting number for me. But give us something good before I flip it to Adam. Hi, I love it. First of all, I want to say On the Beat Live is for the diehard UNC football fans, especially if you're still listening now. So I want to give an observation for only the diehard fans. And the ladies, that. too. Don't, don't leave out the ladies. Of course, of course. Yeah. Uh, of course, all fans. Um, but I want to shout out Eliza Huzzy as a punt returner. And I'm not talking about his punt return skills. Obviously, he returned one for a touchdown against Pitt. But keep an eye out. Elijah Huzzy has a great secret skill where he goes to the opposite side of the field. He kind of goes, waves for a fair catch maybe, and the ball bounces to the other side of the field and rolls into the end zone. And that makes a difference in these close games. It's a difference between maybe being pinned uh, back on the 10 where you're catching it uh, you know, with your feet on the 10-yard line versus the ball bouncing and rolling into the end zone. That's just a little thing I've observed about Huzzy, the punt returner. You know, Mac Brown has talked a lot about his football IQ. He's a football player. That's the type of play you don't even always see on Sundays. It's an advanced football play. I respect it. I want to give a shout-out to Huzzy uh, for what he does as a punt returner, even when he's not catching the ball. Look at there. Adam, this, this guy. He's great. He is. He's going to do well. And, Just uh, coming of age every week. Future endeavors. Adam, what you got to close us out? Well, I, I was trying to look it up, and I think I have found what I was digging for here. Is we've obviously shown Garrett Trader a lot of love, and I think deservedly so. I think he's somebody you're concerned about from a UNC standpoint going into Saturday. But uh, the Orange defense under Rocky Long, who was getting a lot of love on the Clemson-Syracuse uh, broadcast, um, they had 13 tackles for losses against Clemson. That's a lot. Uh, and they're, they're, their sack and pressure numbers are good. Number one in the ACC in turnovers gained this season to Syracuse defense. I think that's ninth nationally. Uh, three, 3.2 sacks a game. Now, you have to qualify that. They've played Colgate, God bless Colgate, and Western Michigan to start the season. Blew the doors off of those two teams. Um, and I don't think Purdue or Army are world beaters either. Um, but the, you know, they, they've got good numbers. They've got good pressure numbers. So I think that's something to keep an eye on. I will agree with – I think the first score I saw was our guy Garrett Chapman, and I was thinking that's about what I was thinking too. I've got it – I've got it UNC – there you go. I've got UNC 37, Syracuse 20, which would be sort of a blowout, I think. I think UNC is an eight-point favorite, eight-and-a-half-point favorite. Um, that's what I'm thinking. Um, so I agree with I agree with some of the score predictions here in the chat. Yeah, I think, you know, uh, I think it'll be interesting to see if the UNC running game can get going. But I think Carolina handles this one and and wins it going away. Yeah, I think it's a key game. Like I said off the top, I think this game shows me how much talk we've heard, the truth behind the talk over the last two weeks about the focus and all that. It's tough to be off. It's tough to get away from the game for even a couple weeks when you're in the middle of the season and come back on fire. I want to see how North Carolina reacts to that. I think Syracuse is a good team. I think the game could start similarly to how the Pittsburgh game started with Syracuse getting some success early. Um, But Schrader's just a lot better quarterback than Jerkovic, and so we'll see how that shakes out. I'll make my prediction on Thursday on the game plan. A lot of these questions, I know a lot of folks in the chat are also the same – the same folks that visit us. If you haven't watched the game plan on Thursday nights, join us. We'll talk more, bring some of those questions, some of those predictions. But as always, I got to give a shout out to Adam and Jeremiah, two of the hardest working people in the business. Um, inside Carolina, we say there is no off season. Well, like I mentioned, it is about to be overlap season. Uh, crossover season, whatever you want to call it, it's going to be crazy at Inside Carolina. Stay tuned for all that news. Producer John, Always a lifesaver here on this podcast and elsewhere. It does a lot of work behind the scenes. I'm Tommy. I just sit up here and talk. Got me a comfortable chair. What I'm else you got g- coming this week, Tommy? What else? What what, what for programming? 
Whew, uh, the game plan Thursday night, of course, I see live in the Bowls lot, 12.30. Um, we've got a coast-to-coast, -coast, I believe, dropping on Wednesday. Um, everybody saw Shot and Vip, basketball content coming. We may have a uh, live reaction basketball show Friday afternoon. Friday. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, a lot going on. It's just crazy to think about how much content kicks off here at Inside Carolina. And who knows what other news there could be as the week progresses. You never know, folks. Stay tuned. Smash that like, that subscribe, and all that stuff. And uh, join us here at Inside Carolina. Appreciate it, Adam. Appreciate it, Jeremiah. Appreciate it, John. Appreciate it, everybody, especially Johnny T-Shirt and Congruity, our sponsors for the show. Thanks, guys. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.